0: Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Brittany Morris about her debut YA novel, Slay, due out on September 24 from Simon Pulse, which is sponsoring this podcast. Brittany Morris is a graduate of Boston University, where she served as the founder and president of the university's Creative Writing Club. She is also a four-time NaNoWriMo winner. In Morris' debut novel, Slay, Teen Kira creates a virtual reality game as a safe space for Black gamers like her. But things take a turn when the massively popular game's existence is threatened. After a dispute results in a player's murder, thank you for speaking with me, Brittany. Yeah, thank you for having me. In a previous interview with P. W., you described the lightning bolt moment of seeing Black Panther on the big screen. How did that movie-going experience
1: push you on the path to writing Slay? That's a great question. So I went to see Black Panther opening night. And that was the first time I had ever walked into a room full of black people and felt total and unconditional acceptance. And it wasn't because, you know, the black community has any kind of criteria that you have to meet before being officially black enough to be counted among everybody. But it was all of these stipulations that I had placed on myself. Growing up, I was Uh, the only Black kid at my school and one of the only ones in my city. So I kind of became the Black cultural expert at my school and church. Everybody kind of expected me to know um, all of the movies that were you know, all Black cast and listen to certain music and eat certain foods, and I hadn't done any of that. And so I had kind of grown up with this feeling lesser than and not feeling like I was Black enough and feeling too Black for my white friends and too white for my Black friends. And Black Panther opening night was the first time I felt like I could walk into a room, cross my arms, say Wakanda forever, and be black enough. And as soon as I left the theater, I wanted to go back to Wakanda. I wanted the magic of Wakanda for all of my friends. And I was hoping somebody would program a Wakanda simulator video game. And when nobody did, I realized I could write a book about it instead. And that's where the idea for Slay came from.
0: After getting that initial spark, how long did it take you to write the manuscript?
1: Uh I wrote the first draft of Slay in eleven days. Uh there were two reasons for wow. that. One I was yeah. One I was just extremely inspired. Um and I couldn't sit still until I got this book on paper. And the second thing that prompted that fast of a turnaround was there was a pit mad coming up in twelve days. And I knew that if I wanted to be the first person with a Black Panther comp, I would have to pitch in that one as opposed to the one three months from that date. So I sat down and wrote the whole manuscript in 11 days and queried on day 12, which I do not advise anybody do. I got very, very sick afterward, and usually books that were just written and not even looked at a second time are not queryable, but I got very lucky. Can you
0: walk us through what happened next after you pitched?
1: Yeah, um, my pitch got a lot of attention. And then I queried on day 12, or I started querying on day 12. Um, I queried, I want to say 42 agents, um, including a few that didn't like my pitch, just because I thought, heck with that, I might as well throw in some of my favorite agents, my, my dream agents and Kirisa is one of them, my my agent that I have. And I got a lot of attention, um, 15 requests for a full, eight offers, and Kirisa blew them all out of the water. Um, <laughs> she just really, really got the book and understood me and my career and just everything just clicked so well. And so I went with Kirisa. And I, it's, the rest is history, and I'm so happy I did. <laughs>
0: Slay sold in a multi-house auction to Jennifer Ung at Simon Pulse and has since landed on several highly anticipated lists for the fall. There's also TV and film buzz. How does it feel for your first novel to be stirring this kind of excitement?
1: Oh my goodness. It feels like a fairy tale and a whirlwind. It feels like at any minute I could wake up and realize it was all a dream. Like, I could, I never anticipated this much, you know, attention, and this much love for this story. And I'm so, so happy to see that it's resonating with so many people. Um, I get messages and everything from on Instagram and Twitter from people who are like, thank you so much for writing this. This book and is so inspiring and they just love it so much. And it means so much to me to see that. So I'm honored to be at the center of it. <laughs>
0: I understand that you previously worked as a business analyst. Had you always been pursuing writing as well?
1: Yes. So I've been in love with writing since I was nine years old. And I think when the time came to choose a college major, I kind of said, well, maybe I should, you know, major in something that's guaranteed to pay the bills, not that anything is these days. Um, But I chose economics over English. Um, But I always kept that love of writing on the back burner. I was querying through college. Um, I was querying through, you know, my professional positions after I graduated and this one just struck a chord. Um, and I was working as a business analyst at the time, which was not the most fulfilling job, but it was, you know, it was a job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and have you taken the plunge now into writing full time?
1: I have. Yes.
0: What has that been like?
1: Um, super fun and super fulfilling. It was always a childhood dream of mine to be able to wake up and daydream and get paid for it. (laughs) And that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing.
0: In your bio, you talk about your love of video games, and that certainly comes across in Slay. What are some of your favorite games or gaming
1: communities? Ooh, good question. Um, One of my favorite games has to be Undertale. Anyone who's played it can tell you it's, it's a storytelling masterpiece. It keeps you guessing, um, it's lots of high action, it's very, very funny, and it's also super, super heart-wrenching at times. I absolutely adore it. A second favorite game has to be Popo and Yo, which is uh, an indie game starring a boy named Kiko, who battles, well, interacts with a character named Monster, who goes back and forth from being docile to being hostile. And um, you have to learn to interact with that monster in its environment. And it's it's a social commentary on childhood trauma and dealing with the after effects and wanting to love the person who hurt you and also wanting to protect yourself. And then my third favorite video game has to be Dance Dance Revolution. I've been playing that since I was a kid. Love, love, love the game. Any chance I get to go to an arcade, I am there. It's probably the type of dance that I'm best at. Uh not very good at freestyling, but give me some arrows on a screen and I can hold my own.
0: And was it challenging or invigorating to channel the more visual and action-based elements of gaming into your
1: manuscript? Definitely. So it was I, I was coming up with card ideas on the fly. Um, I kind of came up with a list of cards before jumping into page one of writing the book. And as I was thinking of cards, I thought about all the interactions I've had with my family. Um I've thought about all of the different moments that I had in high school and before talking to my friends, explaining, you know, how my hair works, different black hairstyles. I thought of all the moments at different family cookouts and how they're unique to the black community and what makes them unique. And So I just had a lot of fun coming up with the cards in that way. It was kind of a looking back on my life kind of thing and also tapping into some cards that aren't part of my culture. There's a card called uh, Fufu, which is a a dough that is often served with like peanut soup, different kinds of soup. Um, And it's served all along Western Africa. And it's not part of my culture, but it is part of the global black community. And so I included a card for that. There are several different cards like that, and so that was also a lot of fun doing that research.
0: The book also explores the darker side of gaming, specifically the problem of trolls targeting women and players of color. When it comes to inclusivity and safety online, what do you think real-world gamers and also developers can maybe learn from Slay?
1: That's a fantastic question, and it's a very very big long answer. <laughs> but I think and I'm also not a gamer I, like I'm a um I'm an indie gamer, so I play independent games. I don't play MMOs, I don't play any online games really. But for players who do play online games, it's really really important I think to surround yourself with people who love you and who share the same viewpoints on gaming as you do and who are there to have fun and, you know, maybe don't take things too seriously. My brother played a lot of Call of Duty, at least back in the day. I don't know if he still does. And some of the things I would hear in the campaigns he was in were shocking. And a lot of them are random. And so it's really hard to, you know, keep that close knit group of friends. But I think as much as possible, if you can surround yourself with like-minded people in those spheres, it's a way to protect yourself. And for game developers who are creating games like this, anytime you have um, a sense of anonymity, you're going to get hostile people. Anytime you allow people to hide behind a keyboard or behind a username, you're going to get these kinds of people. So I think it's very, very important for game developers to foster a sense of Positivity and not taking people too seriously and to really enforce those ideologies in gameplay. You know, I've seen in certain games, messages will come up that say, like, have fun, be a good sport, you know, be nice to people. Those kind of things go a long way.
0: Looking back,
1: were you a big reader growing up? I was a reluctant reader as a kid. Um, I grew up in an extremely religious household that was very, very... I would say stifling. Wasn't allowed to read or watch or play anything unless it was Christian or very very G rated. Um and so most of the books that I wanted to read I couldn't. Um I had to put back Harry Potter, had to put back A Wrinkle in Time, anything to do with magic. Um so I kind of missed out on that for all of my childhood, and then when I got to college, I was reading all I had really had time to read was textbooks and math textbooks and um, all of the economic stuff that I was studying and so by the time I graduated college, I actually hated reading, and I told myself, I am never picking up another book again. It was the worst chore in the world i wasn't I wasn't reading anything that I enjoyed, so of course, I thought that um, and then one. September, I think it was two years ago, I was in New Orleans vacationing with my husband and I picked up a copy of The Hate You Give and the cover was just so beautiful and everybody had been talking about it. I actually didn't even know what it was about. Um, But by the time I got to the end of that book, I was like, okay, there's a whole world I've been missing out on. Reading doesn't have to be a drag and boring. And that's when I kind of jumped back into reading for fun and, you know, i just soaked up any YA book I could get my hands on. And here we are today.
0: <laughs> are there other YA novels um, that have come out recently that really turned you back on to reading?
1: Um, I think I've been turned back onto reading for a couple of years now, but I've just recently been getting into fantasy and the... Three books I've read recently that have really like blown me away that are in the fantasy category would be The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. That book is just a masterpiece. Just I don't even know where to begin in reviewing that book um, because every inch of it is just gorgeous. There's a lot of like high stakes, like tense moments. There's so much action. There's so much social commentary and black people are just included without like – like, it's it's rarely stated that they're explicitly black, but it's very implied in the hair descriptions and everything. It's just masterfully done. Then I read Children of Blood and Bone, which I don't even know if you need me to review that one. I feel like I was the last person to read that one. <laughs> but it was so, so good. Um, as a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, I couldn't put it down. And then a few days ago, I finished The Merciful Crow, or last week, I think I finished The Merciful Crow uh, by Margaret Owen. And that book was also really, really cool. Lots of gender inclusion, lots of positive sexuality. Uh, Consent is given in one moment, which just made me so happy to see done so flawlessly. And yeah, the story itself is also just mind-blowing and super cool because she does magic using, like, teeth from different casts. So there's a lot of, like, classism and hierarchy and just everything. Those are probably my top three recent reads.
0: And I have to ask, did you end up going back to the classics like Harry Potter and before that even A Wrinkle in Time?
1: I haven't made it back to Harry Potter yet. Um, I think I might do that one on audiobook um, just because it's so colorful and it would be so cool to just like close my eyes and imagine everything and have it read to me. Um, But it's definitely on my list, the whole series. Uh, Same with A Wrinkle in Time. I did recently read The Joy Luck Club, which is a classic. uh, A lot of other people have been telling me to read. Read A Clockwork Orange. Tried to get through Necronomicon. (laughs) Uh, And Great Gatsby is coming up on my list as well. So I'm kind of making my rounds. Uh, Harry Potter is definitely on there.
0: And for your own book, will you be taking it on the road?
1: I will. Uh, announcement coming very soon. I'm super, super excited about it. To wrap things up, can you
0: share a bit about what you're working on now?
1: Absolutely. So Slay is kind of a, a the overall message is wholly crap. How cool is it to be Black? This is so much fun. We are beautiful people, and this is amazing. And the next book I'm writing is kind of a a love letter to Black men specifically, inviting them in, inviting them to feel the emotions that they feel, letting them know their emotions are valid. Um, It kind of looks at the experience of the black male teenager specifically, and how jarring it must be to be a black teenager and kind of exist sandwiched between the knowledge that you come from a legacy of, you know, some hard times, oppression and overcoming and struggle and that we're still being held back today. And also seeing on the news every day that the future promised to you contains the threat from police and, you know, the school to prison pipeline and kind of to be sandwiched between the prospect of the future and the weight of the past. And how do you navigate the present with that? So the story itself follows two teenagers, one can see into the future, one can see into the past. And it looks at what that's like as a black teenager. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's now in the editing stage. Jen and I are looking at it, and I'm really excited to share it with everyone. Well, congratulations
0: on your debut, and thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Once again, I've been speaking with Brittany Morris about her debut novel, Slay, due from Simon Pulse on September 24. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.